Good morning. Hi. <clears throat> yeah, good morning. Um, we are in the book of Daniel. Um, just this morning, I wanted to say something that I just saw this morning. Um, I was thinking, well, how many books have we done so far? And I think we're like 27 books in, which is not halfway, because 66 books is not the, seven, 27 is not half 66, but we are actually 70% through the chapters of the Bible. So I just uh, took out my calculator this morning. I thought it was interesting. But it has nothing to do with Daniel. So um, we have five months into our sermon series, and I wanted to start out just actually asking a question. Did you know that according to the Guinness World Record as of 1995, that the Bible is the best-selling book <laughs> of all time? Yeah. Estimated five billion copies sold and distributed. And the Bible is the, what, do, you, do you guys know, the best-selling? What is it? Most banned, most quoted, most studied, challenged, historically anchored, proven book that has changed millions of lives and has shaped countries over the centuries. 40 authors and 1,500 years, over 31,000 verses, and the chapters are close to 1,200 chapters, and we're 70% in. One unified storyline. And we're in the middle of the prophets. We're actually just finishing off the last of the major prophets, and today by looking at the book of Daniel. Um, and he was a prophet who was exiled to Babylon. And I'll, I want to pray again before we start and go look into it. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you're good and that you are speaking today in our lives. Father, I pray that you are open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say through the book of Daniel. And I pray that you give us grace and understanding in your name. Amen. So who here is a fan of science fiction action movies? Anyone? Avengers, anyone? Yeah, yeah, a couple, okay, okay. Um, I know I am. There's a, there's a good storyline, there's lots of action, there's good guys against bad guys, there's unrealistic battles, there's superheroes, there's villains, there's the bad guys spotting schemes, there's the good guys crossing the plans of the bad guys, and usually at the end it's all a happy ending because otherwise it would be called a drama. <laughs> And the book of Daniel is like a science fiction action movie. But the difference is that it's actually real, and that it has happened. It has it all. It has history, it has prophecy, it has politics, it has prayers, it has lions, it has statues, wild animals, a fiery furnace, dreams and visions, a king who thought he was a cow, Incredible adventure, amazing escapes, angels and demons. Most people 
knows some very well-known stories from the book of Daniel. Because usually they make up really great stories for Sunday school. I hope the Sunday school is going through Daniel today. Because there's amazing plot twists, there's miracles, there's Daniel and his friends are saved by God from certain death. Daniel is a book written to the Israelites in captivity and despair. It is a book of hope with a detailed outlook at the future. Daniel's name means God is my judge, which runs as a main theme throughout the book. Initially, that doesn't sound hopeful at all, judgment doesn't sound hopeful, but to people in captivity, people in anguish and in desperation, judgment on their captors sounds like a glimmer of hope. Someone is coming to bring judgment. It's like in the movies when the hero is coming to defeat the bad guys and save the world. Daniel's book tells a story from our perspective about God as the hero who's coming to save the world. God stays faithful to the Israelites in captivity and to Daniel and his friends specifically. Daniel and his friends remain loyal to God. So I have a little bit of an overview of this book. Um, if we can go to the next slide. There's a, a first seven chapters are basically the historical part of the book. Um, all, the, all the stories we know from Daniel are usually from there. There's a fire furnace, the lion's den, and the, the dreams and the prophecies. And like Addison has uh, uh, touched on before, there's, in this book, there's also chiasm. And actually, in this book, there's a double chiasm, which is interesting. Um, and then next slide is the second part. That's the, that's the second chiasm. It is a beautiful structure that underlines the culmination of the events, like back and forth. There's like uh, kingdom prophecies, and they, they touch par parallel to earlier chapters. Um, and finding the ultimate highlight in the Messiah dies alone, which we'll touch on a little bit later on. God's faithfulness defines this story, and we are called to faithfulness in this story and get a glimpse of what it looks like now and in the future. Through Daniel's story, God shows us that faithfulness transcends circumstances and transpires through humble devotion. I want to touch on three things this morning. On these three things, God shows his faithfulness to us. How does he do that? And second, faithfulness transcends these earthly, earthly circumstances of ours. How does that play out? And the third one is faithfulness to God transpires through humble devotion. What does it look like for us to be faithful? So let's dive right in. Number one, God shows his faithfulness. God's faithfulness is the greatest faithfulness of all. We sang it actually this morning. I was surprised that. We had the, the song right up. I didn't talk to the worship team at all. Um, God's faithfulness is the greatest faithfulness. He fulfills his promise in not forgetting his people in exile. Daniel 1, chapter, Daniel chapter 1, verse 9 says, Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. One of the resources that I read before pray, making preparations for the sermon said that a common mistake is to make Daniel the hero of this story. And we see that God provided opportunities and resources for him before Daniel was even faithful. 
how often do we fall into this trap of making ourselves the hero? The trap that God's grace is dependent on our goodness. We fall into it because the world tells us exactly that. Every self-help book ever. You can do it. Trust in yourself. Be strong. Be brave. Find yourself. Self-love. Self-serve. Selfie. <laughs> Self-worship. We get brainwashed that we are the center of the universe. So it is quite natural that we think that we have to earn our way to God. Make right what we've done wrong. A guilt-driven love towards God. And I did that before as well, thinking that God needs my service more than I need him. We forget to make it about him. First and foremost, relationship out of love and not out of fear. We have to understand, Christian or non-Christian, that God's faithfulness doesn't depend on our faithfulness. God's faithfulness to Daniel wasn't inspired by his faithfulness to God. God was, is, and will be faithful, but God also was, is, and will be judge. The name of Daniel, Daniel, God is my judge. That's why Israel at the time was in exile. Unfaithfulness to God, turning away from him as God's, as God's chosen people, following after lower capital gods. Yet, yet God's faithfulness to his covenant to Abraham in Genesis 12, back to Genesis, it remained. He, he remained faithful, faithful to his covenant. He blessed Israel in exile, showing favor, grace, and mercy, sending judges, kings, and prophets throughout history. He remained faithful. So let's take a look at the two well-known stories from Daniel, the miracles. How does God stay faithful to Daniel and his friends? Daniel 3 27 says, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. And Daniel 6:22 says, my God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. After the persecution of Daniel and his friends, God miraculously saves them from a fiery furnace. He saves Daniel from the lions. Both times he sends an angel to be with them. God doesn't leave us alone in times of despair and persecution. He comes to be with us in the darkest days of our lives. Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So, I don't know if you heard, but a certain virus was going around the last couple of years. Um, <clears throat> and I got really quite sick last week. I was uh, not feeling great. I was, no self-help book could ever help me. I could not, I was dependent on outside sources. I couldn't pull myself out of it. In the midst of it, though, I knew I was at peace because I felt deep comfort from him in prayer, and he never left me. He sent people to help with food and groceries. Thank you. Appreciate it. And he provided. He was there. 
God doesn't promise to take away the hurt, the persecution, the hard times, emotional and physical wounds. This passage doesn't tell us we can walk into a lion's den and expect to be unharmed, but we can be sure that God will be with us through the fire. He's faithful. And God's faithfulness will also extend into the future. Daniel interpreted the dreams for the kings and also had dreams and visions of his own that were revealed to him through an angel. These visions and dreams are about the future kings and kingdoms and how they will rise and how they fall. Some were fulfilled in the near future after Daniel's life and some might still be fulfilled in the future. These are some amazingly detailed promises and prophecies. And you might want to take a look at them later and read through them. The message of these prophecies remains clear. God's kingdom will come and he will rescue his people from sin through a Messiah. He will be faithful. Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14, it says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This points clearly to Jesus as our Savior, Messiah who has been given all authority, glory, and power. The four kingdoms that were described in some of the prophecies Daniel had, um, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, they came and left. Human kingdoms and governments, they come and go. But God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom with Jesus as his righteous king. God shows that faithfulness transcends circumstances and transpires through humble devotion. Let's take a look at the second point, how faithfulness transcends earthly circumstances. Daniel and his friends are serving under the Babylonian kings Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and the Persian kings Darius and Cyrus. They are exiled in a foreign land. Faithfulness to God is not something modeled to them in the culture that they're in. At the beginning of the book of Daniel, and the big, sorry, at the beginning of the book, Daniel and his friends are in a three-year training program to become servants of the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 1, verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. This prescribed food that Daniel didn't want to eat was going to be offered to idols. Daniel chose a non-confrontational approach to ask for permission from the official in charge. He came up with a 10-day dietary plan and trial. And God honored these steps of faith, and Daniel's request of not eating the defiled food was granted. Daniel and his friends experienced God's faithfulness in captivity. God gave them knowledge and understanding, it says in verse 17, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And God's faithfulness earned them favor with the king. Verse 20, it goes on, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Now we jump into the second chapter where the king has a dream and summons all magicians 
and enchanters. He wanted the interpreter to tell him what the dream was and what it meant. No man could do it. Therefore, a decree was issued. Daniel 2, verse 13, it says, to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Everyone was to be put to death. The worst circumstance ever, facing imminent death. Yet Daniel remained faithful to God and prayed about the situation. For the first time in his life, it looked like he was going to die. But Daniel remained faithful in prayer. And so did God. God remained faithful. He revealed the mystery of the king's dream to Daniel so that he could interpret it and he was saved from death. Let's jump back to Daniel's friends. Not now, at the, later in the chapter 3 or chapter 2, they're known by their new names, Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're thrown into the fire because of their disobedience. Disobedience because King Nebuchadnezzar, again, made himself an image of gold, and everyone was to bow down to it and worship it. Everyone did except the three guys, and they were called out by other idol worshippers. Betrayal by the other, other idol worshippers. The three friends remained faithful despite the circumstance. They wouldn't worship other idols except the one true God. They said, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Chapter 3, verse 17. They were confident in God's faithfulness. And then they said, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. This is impressive faithfulness to God, despite the circumstance. Whatever the future may bring, even if God doesn't save them, they stay loyal to their God. Can we say that of us? Are we loyal to God even if we don't know if we live or die because of it? Daniel 3, 19 and 20. This is what happens next. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times harder than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Everything came to pass. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. But we know the outcome. God remained faithful and saved them. Now back again to Daniel. He's thrown into the lion's den because he's faithful to God. Daniel rose to fame and became one of the three administrators in the whole kingdom. They reported to the new King Darius. So in chapter 6, there's King Darius in charge and Daniel rose to fame. Now because the king wanted to appoint Daniel to be second in command over everyone else, all the, over everyone else, the other administrators plotted against him. They wanted to be second in command. Betrayal. So they searched for grounds to charge Daniel with misconduct, but they couldn't find any fault in him. They schemed against him. They knew that the only way they could find any basis for charges against him 
would be if it had to do something with the law of his God, which Daniel was following diligently. So they tricked the king into making a decree that everyone in the kingdom was only to worship and pray to the king for a whole month. Otherwise, they would be thrown into the lion's den. Daniel wasn't phased by the decree. We don't read about any reaction or emotion from Daniel. Was he angry? Was he upset? Or was he sad? It doesn't say. All it says is that Daniel carried on as before. He went into his room and kept praying. Daniel stayed faithful to his God. Daniel 6, verse 16. What happens next? So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And we know the outcome. God remained faithful and saved him. So what can we learn about God's faithfulness projected onto our circumstances today? We know that God is in control of the outcome. He's faithful. Let's read Daniel 9, verse 26. It is prophetic literature with a lot of symbolism and, and um, pictures. 26. After the 62 sevenths, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come to destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end. And desolations have been decreed. Those are bad circumstances. This is the culmination of evil. Everything seems lost. This is the point in the movie where it seems like the bad guys are winning, where it seems like this is going to be a bad movie. <laughs> but we know the outcome. God is the faithful hero of this story and says this, verse 27, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. There's a lot of, there's a lot of debate about the, these verses and the timeline about the end times. What, what does it mean? What is a seven and how many sevens are there? And what does it all mean? But the following prophecies are fulfilled later in scripture. One is, where we can take out of this, that Jesus dies, the anointed one. In verse 26, Jesus dies. The anointed one will be put to death. Second is that Jerusalem is destroyed, the city. City is destroyed. This is Jerusalem. In 70 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed. War and desolation continues until the end. We see that all around us today. War and desolation still continues. But then, hopeful is that Jesus made a new covenant with us and put an end to sacrifice and offerings. In verse 27, he will put an end to sacrifice and offerings through his death and resurrection. Jesus has done it. Despite the circumstances, God is in control. He knows the timeline, and he will be the judge. That gives hope. Wars will end. 
God shows us that his faithfulness transcends the circumstances of our lives. And now let's look at the last point. What does it mean for us to be faithful? Faithfulness to God transpires through humble devotion. Many people today feel like the government is issuing ungodly decrees and rules and restrictions, just like in Daniel's book. Shouldn't we be like Daniel and go against the decrees of our government? Let's look at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What are, what are they doing? I'll read the passages. He asked the chief official for permission. Please test your servants. Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Daniel went to the king and asked for time. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven. Daniel praised the God of heaven. We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold. He got down on his knees and prayed. Daniel and his friends show bold faith, resilience, and no compromise to worship other idols. Yet they show utmost respect, gentleness, and patience towards the authority in charge. We should not compromise our beliefs, even if governing authorities tell us to do so. But we should also go into prayer and ask God to soften our hearts, to avoid heated conflict and pride on our end. The love for God and others is more important than drawing attention to ourselves. There was no trace of pride or arrogance in Daniel's behavior. The reaction of the friends wasn't stubborn, brazen, or rude. They all opposed ungodly orders without being self-righteous. It is certainly unacceptable for Christians to silently adopt sinful behavior, but we should not loudly and proudly parade our rightness. That is also sinful. Before any interpretation, Daniel prays and pleads with God. He humbly accepts his position and God's position. He is faithful. Daniel 2, verse 18, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. What is our go-to when we are faced with big tasks? I want to tell you a little story that lightens the mood a little bit. Um, my future wife and I, we are in the middle of wedding planning, and sometimes I am pleading for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. <laughs> wedding planning in COVID is a very uncertain undertaking, but my point is we have made it a priority to first pray before any plans are made. This is a very, it, it has helped so much. Pray before any plans are made. Seeking wisdom and understanding from God in all things in, is an aspect of faithfulness to God. We can do that in, in small things and big things, bringing God our questions, our concerns, and asking for guidance. As I was praying this week and asking God how am I supposed to preach this, this Sunday because I was quite sick at the beginning of this week, I couldn't concentrate on writing a sermon for a couple of days because I was 
sick, and it wasn't finished. I was freaking out. I was like, there's no way I'm going to finish this sermon. And God still voice said to me as I was praying, hey, how about we read Luke 12? And I was like, what's, well, what's Luke 12? Luke 12, 11 and 12 says, when you are brought before the synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And I was like, okay, all right, let's do it. <laughs> let's just go up and uh, I, I did prepare a little bit. <laughs> but it, the point is, I, I was praying and God answered my prayer. The living God hears our prayers, even the smallest ones. Does he always answer according to our understanding? Certainly not. He's still God. But make no mistake, he is faithful according to his purposes. Daniel and his friends were still persecuted and sentenced to die. Yet they prayed to God alone. Faithfulness to God transpires through humble devotion to God and to God alone. The pagan kings, they issued decrees to worship other gods. We read the response from Daniel's friends, Daniel 3, 28. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Faithfulness to God means trusting in him, keeping our eyes focused on him. When the king commanded to them to bow down before him and worship him, the three guys rather die than worship the false god. That's commitment to God. How does this translate to our times? To what lengths are we going to commit our ways to God? Do we worship false gods today? False gods of money, fame, pride, praise to self, honor to self, technology, sex, and drugs? Who do we worship? Who do we serve? Exodus 20, verse 3, I think the guys were thinking about that. You shall have no other gods before me. Only in worshiping the one true God, we will find true freedom. By believing in his son who died for our freedom, often we mistake the absence of rules with our freedom. But when in reality, everyone is serving a God. Will you choose to follow the God who sets you free and serves you, or other gods that bound you into service? Jesus came to serve us with his own life. He said in Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Faithfulness to him alone is the only way to have relationship with God. And we must live for his glory and not our own. Faithfulness to God transpires through humble devotion for God's glory and not our own. Daniel and his friends are appointed to high positions, but their motive is always God's glory. We don't see them prideful, arrogant, or rebellious. They are firm and resolute in regards to worship, but humble and meek before the officials. To the question of King Nebuchadnezzar, if Daniel can interpret his dream, Daniel replies, Daniel 2, 27 and 28, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but there's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. 
he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar that what will happen in the days to come. And to King Belshazzar, he wants, he, he wants to shower Daniel with gifts. Daniel says, five, Daniel 5, 17. Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Daniel gives glory to God, not to himself, before interpreting any dreams or writings. Why did God reveal mysteries and dreams to the pagan kings? Why did God save Daniel and his friends from death? Why does God show faithfulness to them and to the kings? It was for his own glory, so that they may know who God is. We see it at the end of chapters 4 and 5. Daniel interprets King Nebuchadnezzar's dream about himself, and then he interprets the writing on the wall that appears to King Belshazzar. Both kings are arrogant and prideful, and God judges them. The only difference is the king's response. Daniel 4, verse 34. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And the other king, King Belshazzar, in 5, 29, 20, and 30. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed, was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. Both kings are confronted with the choice to turn to him and be faithful in response to God's faithfulness. One of them praises God is humble and therefore experience God's forgiveness and blessing once more. The other one does not recognize God, but attributes God's power to Daniel and dies. God shows us that faithfulness transcends circumstances and transpires through humble devotion. So just like the kings, you have a choice to make. Will you be faithful in response to God's faithfulness, or will you reject reject God's invitation? Do you choose to believe that God shows you faithfulness in Jesus dying on the cross for you, that no matter the circumstances, he wants your best? Do you choose to believe that faithfulness to him in humble devotion will lead to life? You can make a choice today, here this morning, a choice to follow Jesus, God shows his faithfulness in this book of Daniel. He guides, he guards, he saves. He's to be worshipped alone. He's faithful amidst the worst circumstances. Daniel and his friends are faithful to God no matter what is thrown their way. Through their humble devotion in prayer for worship to God alone, giving thanks and glory and praise to him. Let us do the same amidst hard circumstances. No matter what you go through, God remains faithful to you. God shows you his faithfulness. God shows his faithfulness to you through Jesus Christ, dying for your sins on the cross, resurrecting to give you hope for the future. He knows your hurt, your pain, your questions and doubts. 
Jesus embraces you and says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Be faithful in return in humble devotion and praise him for what he has done for you. Amen. Amen.